On the resurrection morning when all the dead in Christ shall rise I'll have a new body, praise the Lord, I'll have a new life Eternal soul, in weakness, raised in power, ready to live in paradise I'll have a new body, praise the Lord, I'll have a new life I'll have a new home Glory, glory With the redeemed Never of God for stand There'll be no more sorrow No, no more pain There'll be no more strife Yes, raising the likeness In of his likeness Ready to live I'll be glad I'll have a new body Praise the Lord I'll have a new life Eternal Free From every imperfection Youthful and happy I shall be Lost in victory I'll have a new body Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life Oh yes, I'll have a new home Glory, glory With the redeemed Never stand There'll be no more sorrow No, no more pain. pain There'll be no more strife no Yes, raising the likeness In his likeness Ready to live I'll be glad I'll have a new body Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life Trump of God shall sound I'll have a new body Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life Eternal grace All bursting saints are shouting Heavenly beauty all around I'll have a new body Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life I'll have a new home Glory, glory With the reading of God to stand no more pain, there'll be no more strife Yes, raising the likeness In of his likeness Ready to live, I'll, I'll be glad I'll have a new body Praise, Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life Eternal Good morning, good evening Wherever you may be Welcome to the Passion for Christ show So glad to have you, friend this is your host, Bruce Kessler. Welcome. Let me tell you this, good friend, and that is that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Greatest movement that has ever existed. Because you see, in Him I find forgiveness, joy, peace, happiness. I am blessed beyond measure more than I can ever deserve, folks. And I bet the same is true for you if you consider it. My goal here is very simple, that is, to encourage you along the way to help you find your passion in life in Jesus Christ. Upcoming in our study segment, we've got a special guest, Michael McCorkle. We're going to talk about the truth about Christmas. But a few things along the way. First is, headline news. Get this, folks. Adolfo Martinez of Iowa has an extensive criminal record littered with arrests and convictions. 
In June, he stole a Congregational Church's gay pride flag and set it ablaze in Iowa. It's illegal to steal another's property and also legal to set such things on fire. Ames, Iowa Police Commander Jason Tuttle said that Martinez told the people in the bar that he was going to burn the place to the ground, and at that point, he made reference to burning their flag. It was reported on Friday that he has been sentenced, folks, to 16 years in prison, 15 years for the hate crime of arson, and a year of reckless use of explosive or fire for 30 days of harassment. Yes, friend, Adolfo Martinez has an extensive criminal background. Yes, he is a, it is a crime to steal another's property, set it on fire. Yes, so law is written, he committed a hate crime. His desire to burn the flag was rooted in what it represents as far as sexual orientation. But, friend, I want you to consider a few other criminal sentences handed down in Iowa for context. Michael Bell Jr. was sentenced to just 10 years in prison for using a stick to kill a local resident. And witnesses saw Bell and Paul, the victim, victims, multiple times with the murder weapon. Elmai said was convicted of voluntary manslaughter and sentenced to 10 years in prison. He stabbed his roommate to death. Now, how many years, friend, do you think one gets if he or she or they burns the American flag? Zero. And we'll move on to the next news. We'll just get that for a moment. 16 years in prison for burning a flag of the LBG pride community. Now listen to this. Folks, listen to this. A British court ruled this week that a woman was properly dismissed from her job after she posted several messages about transgenderism on Twitter including the statement that male people are not women. Maya Forstater, 45, lost her position at the Center of Global Development following a series of tweets in 2018 and subsequently filed a complaint with an employment tribunal. The think tank has offices in London and Washington, D.C. chose not to renew her contract. Several of Forstater's tweets criticized potential changes to the British Gender Recognition Act, including one that would allow people to self-identify with whichever gender they choose. Forstater argued that even if a biological man has a gender recognition certificate that states he's a woman, he remains a biological man. Employment Judge James Taylor ruled against Forstater. The claimant's position is that even if a trans woman has a gender recognition certificate, she cannot honestly describe herself as a woman. That belief is not worthy of respect in a democratic society. It is incompatible with the human rights of others that have been identified and defined by the European Court of Human Rights, and put into effect through the Gender Recognition Act. 
Four Stater referenced a transgender woman and tweeted, Male people are not women. I don't think being a woman, female, is a matter of identity or womanly feelings. It is biology. Meanwhile, folks, get this. Harry Potter author J.K. Rowling is siding with Four Stater and sparking a division among her fans. Rowling had tweeted, Dress however you please. Call yourself whatever you like. Sleep with any consenting adult who will have you. Live your best life in peace and security, but force women out of the job for stating that sex is real? There you go, folks. Court says employee can be fired for tweeting male people are not women. Woo! Oh, folks. Madness, pure madness. But continue on with that thought. Get this. Some 35 child psychologists have resigned from the UK's Juvenile Gender Identity Clinic over the past three years after becoming concerned by the ease with which medical professionals were diagnosing young people with gender dysphoria. Many of the former staff claimed that they were unable to properly assess patients out of a fear that they would be labeled transphobic. Other clinicians expressed anxiety over the potential health risk associated with the hormone treatment. Our fears are that young people are being overdiagnosed and then over-medicalized. We're extremely concerned about the consequences for these young people. Folks, listen to this. Last year, some 2,590 children were referred to the Gender Identity Development Service at the Tavistock and Portman NHS Foundation Trust for treatment relating to gender dysphoria. Ten years ago, the referral number was just 77. Folks, 35 child psychologists leave Gender Identity Clinic over concerns of overdiagnosing gender dysphoria. We are living in a chaotic world. Folks, the church needs to stand and present the balanced view of what God says about sex. Amen? And that's our headline news for this broadcast. Now this day in church history. The Spaniards who conquered the Caribbean and operated plantations with Native American labor were wanton in their destruction of human life and perpetrated terrible cruelties to get gold or to revenge like wrongs. Most priests were silent of these abuses, but few Dominicans were outraged. One of them, Antonio de Montesinos, entered a pulpit on this day, December the 21st, 1511, to warn his listeners of their spiritual peril. The hardened men rejected his words and demanded a retraction. However, the Dominican prior, Pedro de Cardoba, 
follow Montesino's sermon with the threat of excommunication for all encomenderos, plantation owners, who did not free their Indians. Here is part of Montesino's sermon. I have climbed to this pulpit to let you know of your sins. For I am the voice of Christ crying in the desert of this island, and therefore you must not listen to me indifferently, but with all your heart and all your senses. This voice tells you that you are in mortal sin, that you not only are in it, but live in it and die in it, and this because of the cruelty and tyranny that you bring to bear on these innocent people. Pray tell. By what right do you wage your odious wars on people who dwell in quiet and peace on their islands? By what right have you destroyed countless numbers of them with unparalleled murders and destruction? Why do you press and exploit them without even giving them enough to eat or caring for them when they become ill as a result of your exploitation? They die or rather you kill them so that you may extract and obtain more and more gold every day. Are they not human? Have they no souls? Are they not required to love? Are you not required to love them as you love yourselves? I assure you in your present state, you can no more be saved than Moors or Turks who do not have or even reject the faith of Jesus Christ. Mortal danger. In 1511, that's this day in church history. And now we have Name That Bible Character Segment. Here is your clue. I am the Bible book that says, I have put off my coat. How shall I put it on? What book am I? Here is your clue one more time. I am the Bible book that says, I have put off my coat. How shall I put it on? What book am I? We'll reveal the answer following the study segment. So stay tuned, folks, for that joyful revelation in our final segment of Name that Bible character. Now we come to our study for this broadcast. We have a special guest, Michael McCorkle. He's going to be talking about the truth about Christmas. And so now we join this thoughtful message with Brother Michael McCorkle. Christmas. It's the most wonderful time of the year, the song tells us. Actually, Christmas is an extremely popular holiday in the United States and around the world. It is a time when people think a lot about giving and a lot about receiving. People think a lot about spending time with family, and some people think a lot about Jesus Christ. You see, in America, Christmas is a very secular celebration. Yet, originally, it was a celebration on December 25th of the birth of Jesus Christ. As I mentioned, here in America, most of the people who celebrate Christmas today 
celebrated as a secular holiday. It's just a time to be with family and friends, to buy gifts, to enjoy one another's company and good food. Yet there are many churches that the place of Christmas plays a very important role in those churches. They have Christmas plays and Christmas festivities, Christmas parties and Christmas trees. There's so many things involved in their celebration of Christmas. Some of them get extremely elaborate with flying angels and camels actually on stage at their churches having this great celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ. Well, Bruce has asked me to talk a little bit today about Christmas, and what I'd like to do is spend just a few minutes with you talking about what the Bible actually says, not about what history tells us, not about how it drives our economy or attitudes we should have about Christmas, but rather what do we actually know about the birth of Jesus Christ and how should that impact us as Christians. The first thing I want to mention is that there are many, many ideas about Christmas and the birth of Jesus that are just myths or legends that have been developed more from the songs about Christmas than really from the Bible story of the birth of Jesus. There are four Gospels that tell the life of Jesus, yet of those four Gospels, two of them don't even mention the birth of Jesus directly. They don't tell any stories about it. John just merely says that uh, the Word, being Jesus Christ, the Word was made flesh, and doesn't give us a description. Neither does Mark. Matthew and Luke both give us descriptions. Luke's is the most detailed of the descriptions. But in none of the Bible narratives do you find December 25th because the truth is we just don't know when Jesus was born. Not only don't we know the day, we don't know the month. And not only don't we know the month, we don't actually know what year Jesus Christ was born. We know close. We can make wise, educated guesses. But the truth is the Bible just doesn't tell us. The Bible never tells us that there were three wise men. I know you may have heard the songs, We Three Kings. You may have talked with other people about the three wise men. You may have heard stories about that. But the Bible never tells us how many wise men there were. As far as the Bible narrative goes, there were no talking animals. There was no little drummer boy. There are so many legends that have grown up around the birth of Jesus. But really, the story in the New Testament is a very simple story. It's a story that's told in Matthew and Luke, and it's a story that's not much made of in the rest of the New Testament. In Galatians, Paul mentions that in due season, or in the proper time, that God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, But that's about the extent of the mention of the birth of Christ in the rest of the New Testament. Seems odd that something that receives such little attention in the New Testament would be such a focus of much of Christianity. In fact, there are many people that I've known through the years that basically the only time they ever assemble with the church to worship is on this day of Christmas. Well, what do we know? Well, what we actually know about the birth of Jesus 
is very limited, but very specific. We know, for instance, that his birth was not his beginning. In John chapter 1 and verse 1, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the very beginning, we read the story in Genesis how God said, Let us make man in our image. This one we knew as Jesus here on this earth didn't begin at the moment of his birth here, but his life was existent forever. In fact, in Micah, he says that this Messiah who was to be born in Bethlehem, he said his goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. So one thing we know about the birth of Jesus is that it was not the beginning of this being we knew as Jesus. As far as the details of the story, we know from Matthew and Luke that Jesus was born to a young lady named Mary. She was a young virgin who was espoused, that's similar to engaged, to a carpenter in Nazareth named Joseph. Now Nazareth was about 90 miles north of Jerusalem. And this young lady lived in Nazareth and was visited by an angel one night. The angel Gabriel came and he told her that she had found favor in the eyes of God and that she would be with child. And she questioned him. She said, how can that be? Because I'm a virgin. I've not been with a man. And he said, it will be a miraculous event. The Holy Spirit will overshadow you and you will become pregnant. And he will be known as the Son of God. He said, also... Your cousin Elizabeth is expecting a child. So when this was over, Mary told the angel, you know, as God desires, that's, that's fine. Do, do, have God do what he wills with me. And so when this was over, Mary loads up and travels to visit her cousin Elizabeth. Now there with Elizabeth, she arrives and spends some time with Elizabeth. Elizabeth's child, who becomes John the Baptist, is born. And Mary returns home to Joseph. When she returns home now, she's been gone six months or so, and she is great with child. She's expecting the baby Jesus. Now, when she left, as far as Joseph knew, she wasn't pregnant. Joseph knew that she was still a virgin. She and he hadn't been together. And when she comes back, she's pregnant. Joseph is heartbroken. Can you imagine the sorrow that would have filled his heart? You know, back then they didn't have cell phones and video calls and there wasn't any way to talk to her every night to check in. He didn't know what she'd been doing for six months. And then when he goes to her, he sees that she's pregnant and he says, What is this? And her answer would have been, Well, it's a miracle from God. I've not been with anyone. Do you think anyone would believe that story? Joseph didn't. In fact, the Bible says that Joseph was just and that he was minded to put her away privately. That means he was going to divorce her, but he wasn't going to make a big deal out of it publicly. He wasn't going to try to humiliate her. He was just heartbroken and going to move on. But we find that night an angel of the Lord visited Joseph. And he told Joseph that what Mary had said was true, that she was still a virgin, that she had not been unfaithful to him, but that she had a child of the Holy Spirit. 
and that this would be the child of the Son of God. Well, Joseph, just as Mary did, humbly submitted himself to the will of God. About this time, we find that it was called for by Caesar Augustus that all the people in the world who were under the rule of Caesar were to be taxed. And so they were going to have a census, and the requirement was that you went back to the town of your ancestry. Now, that town for Joseph was the town of Bethlehem, just outside of Jerusalem. So he and Mary took off and went to this little town of Bethlehem. The Bible tells us that when they arrived, there was no room in the local hotel. There was nowhere for them to stay. So she was at that time ready to give birth. And so when she gave birth, there was nowhere for her to be other than in basically a barn. We know that there was a manger, which is a trough that you feed animals in. And she wrapped the baby up in some cloth and she laid the baby, Jesus, in that feeding trough for the uh, animals. We know that when that happened, some angels proclaimed to shepherds who were out in the field that this day in the city of David is born a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. We know that from the day of His birth, He was the Savior. From the day of His birth, He was the Christ. From the day of His birth, He was the Lord. We know that these shepherds went and worshipped Him. We also know that there were wise men who had followed a star, and this star eventually led them to Bethlehem where Jesus was, and they worshipped Him and brought Him gifts. We know that Herod, who was king at the time, had asked the wise men to bring him word of where this baby who was supposed to be king of the Jews was so he could go worship him. But Herod really didn't want to worship Jesus. Herod wanted to kill him because he saw this as a threat to his throne. Well, an angel comes and warns Joseph in a dream. And so Joseph leaves takes his young wife and this baby, and they go all the way down to Egypt. And the first part of Jesus' life was spent in Egypt. We know that in a desperate attempt to kill Jesus, Herod had all the children, two years old and younger, killed in this city of Bethlehem. We know very little other than the things that I've just reported to you about the birth of Jesus. You know, Jesus, I believe, is the Son of God. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Yet His birth was not some magnificent ordeal in a palace surrounded by the most important people in the world. But it was a very humble and simple thing. You know, many of the productions that have taken hold in Christian religion today about the birth of Jesus are just that. They're just shows. They're just productions. They're far more elaborate than the actual event itself was. Now one question that comes up when we talk about Christmas is should a Christian celebrate Christmas? Well, I believe in Romans 14, he tells us if you want to celebrate a day, keep a day as holy, that's fine as long as you don't insist other people do it. 
And if you don't want to keep a day as holy, that's fine as long as you don't insist other people don't keep the day as holy. Just don't judge one another and don't try to get each other to do something you don't think is right. My personal belief about Christmas is that if you want to celebrate December 25th as the birth of Jesus and you want to glorify and praise God that the Savior was born, you're very welcome to do that. If you want to choose to say, you know what, this is just going to be a time of year where we can get together with our family, with our friends, enjoy food and give gifts and celebrate our love for one another, you're certainly welcome to do that too. I don't believe either one of those is a violation of Scripture. Now one of the things you will notice at many churches, as I said, some churches have the big productions, but other churches, Christmas is just another day of the year as far as that church is concerned. There are no special celebrations in the church. And I actually believe this is most true to the spirit of the New Testament. As I told you earlier, none of the other writers in the New Testament talk much about the birth of Jesus. There's never a hint anywhere in the Bible that God expected, asked, requested, or commanded anyone to celebrate the birth of Jesus. Not that it's wrong if you personally want to do it, but the church was never commanded to celebrate the birth of Jesus. You know what we were commanded? We were commanded every week to commemorate the death of Jesus to commemorate it in what we call the communion or the Lord's Supper where we take bread and fruit of the vine and we commemorate the sacrifice, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ which is the pivotal event in human history. I hope you enjoy this Christmas season and I hope you have a, a way that you can celebrate this that will bring glory to God and draw you closer to Him. And I hope that you and your family will take time during this season to actually read what the Bible says about the birth of Jesus. You can find it in Matthew 1 and Luke chapter 2. Read what the Bible says really happened and embrace that as truth and weed out all of the myths and superstitions and songs that you've heard. I hope you have a wonderful Christmas season. We want to thank Brother Michael McCorkle for his wonderful and powerful message about Christmas. Gives us a lot of pause and consideration during this time of holidays and celebration. And now we have the final segment of Name That Bible Character. Here was your clue. I am the Bible book that says I have put off my coat. How shall I put it on? What book am I? The Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon 5 verse 3. I have put off my coat. How shall I put it on? I have washed my feet. How shall I defile them? I am the Bible book that says I have put off my coat. How shall I put it on? What book am I? The Song of Solomon. In name that Bible character. Well, folks, you too 
and become a follower of Jesus Christ, the greatest movement ever. Because you see in him you can find forgiveness, joy, peace, happiness. And be blessed beyond measure, more than you could ever deserve. My goal here is very simple. That is to encourage you, friend, along the way to help you find your passion in life in Jesus Christ. If you ever come through Norman, Oklahoma, friend, stop by and visit with us at the South Canadian Valley Church of Christ. We'd love to see you. But if you can't stop by physically, stop by our website, normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com. Well, friend, I just want to tell you this. Thank you for listening to this broadcast. May God bless you. It came upon a midnight clear that glorious song of old from angels bending near the earth to touch their hearts.